Show Talk, the place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. As you can tell by the amazing intro music, we are changing things up a bit and we are changing shows. No, that does not mean I'm giving up on Marvel's Runaways. There are still a lot more episodes coming that I have filed away. I just need to release to you guys. But it just means that there's going to be more content coming your way. Who knows how many times a week because I'm watching these shows as we go, honestly, and I don't really have a schedule right now. But I want to give them to you. I want to give them all to you as I'm filming them and getting them ready to the best quality and quantity that I could do for you. But don't worry, there will be some form of organization because every Monday this week, there is the passage that comes out on Fox at 9 p.m. Eastern Central Time and whatever time zones you guys are in. But I am so excited to go over this episode with you today. I have been watching the trailer for this show since November. I've been sharing it to all my friends and on all platforms because I can tell it's going to be amazing. It's going to be one of those action shows that I just want to sit on the edge of my seat for every episode. I can feel it in my bones and I've already accepted and adopted these characters. You can't take them away from me. They're mine. I love them so much already and it's only been one episode so let's just get right into it. There is no recap since this is a pilot and let's jump in. What are we waiting for? So we get introduced to a lot of new characters right off the bat, and every single one of them is very important in what goes down in this episode. So much so that I've honestly brought every single name out so I can tell you exactly who we are talking about and what they did because they are vitally important. There is no miss, ma'am, he or she. It is Dr. Major. It is Clark Richards. It is Mr. Tim. Amy Belafonte, because you got to say the whole name, and Brad. And first up on our roster is Henry Cusack and Tim Fanning. So right off the bat, we see both of them walking through the forest of Bolivia, where Henry apparently has heard rumors of a man within a cave that is a little different. We don't know how different, but he's different different enough or interesting enough for two scientists to come from across the world to come study him. But this isn't no ordinary man because not even the locals want to go anywhere close to where that cave is. And we see a child or a little boy trying to feed him some weird liquid substance. Now, personally, if the locals aren't willing to go near the cave, we see a random red liquid that's possibly blood being fed to a guy locked into a cage in a cave in the middle of nowhere. I would have turned back around. You know, my instincts would have said, run, danger, let's not move forward, but these are scientists. So, of course, they decide to walk a little forward, see what's going on, Tim specifically, and the man gets free, or not man, but possible vampire, because he attacks and ends up biting Tim right in the neck like a normal vampire would. I mean, we've been warned, and Tim is down. Now, we thought we've lost Tim. Tim is gone, okay? He just had his whole entire neck eaten out by some random stranger locked up into a cage, stuck in the forest of Bolivia. No, I will keep saying that because it just sounds so crazy, but I'm hooked. 
Okay, so <laughs> here is Tim walking out of the hospital, not even a few hours later though, perfectly fine, or at least we think so, because his wounds have healed automatically. And he's saying things like, he feels great, he feels powered, everything's fine. So of course they think that this man and whatever has happened to Tim could be a cure to cancer, diseases, who knows? But today is not that day because Tim, not even two seconds later, starts bleeding from the mouth, bleeding from the nose, his teeth has fallen out, and pan to the next scene, he's behind a glass like an animal being observed by other scientists along with his friend Henry for who knows how long. Now, they don't want to say Tim's a vampire, but the dude's a vampire. One of many, because they haven't stopped their research from Bolivia. Oh no. So what? Tim ended up another species and almost died. The research can't end there. They've been taking cells from either Tim and that body they found to try to create cures, you know, what they set out to do from the beginning. And that's where Project Noah comes from. Project Noah is a place where we can say, quote unquote volunteers from death row sign up to give their body to science in exchange for extending their services. You know, it's a win-win. And the goal is to take some of Tim's cells or some of the last mutant vampire cells and implant them into these new subjects to see if they're reaction is different. The problem with Tim is that he declined really fast. He became less recognizable. He no longer understood anything. He wasn't reacting to anyone or anything. So he's basically a shell, a shell of a being that drinks blood on a regular basis that has moderate to extreme anger issues. And so, you know, they believe that if they can continue to test out what exactly happened to Tim, they could find a way to dull the side effects. I mean, sure. Uh, it's not like they haven't had any kind of breakthrough, because they have. They found that every specimen comes with different uh, little quirks. I mean, if you include tapping your feet or hanging upside down as improvement, it ha there's been improvements. But one major breakthrough has been with the subject also known as Shauna. So Shauna is a young girl who was on death row for murdering her both of her parents. Classic. And unlike the rest of the trials, she came out differently. She looked more human. She acted a little bit more she was still crazy what are we talking about but she looked more human and that was the point so they found that the younger you are the more neurons that you have in your brain and the more neurons that you have allow for better receiving and transmitting of information throughout your brain so possibly a slower decline being able to function more in the real world being able to understand and react as if a normal human would and still retain 
everything as a human. So what does that mean? That means that the younger you are, the more neurons that you have in your brain. You're fresh, you're right out the womb practically. And so that means the decline will maybe be non-existent for you. Now, I would say it's crazy to, you know, use a child for an experiment. I mean, death row inmates, that's one thing. They murdered a bunch of people. But children, you know, they say they're the innocence of our human existence. So children, no, no, we, we wouldn't. We wouldn't because we all have consciences. But we're in dire situations here because there's a avian flu, I believe, from China that is taking people out in less than 12 hours. People are dying and in 30 days or less, it could hit the US, it could hit the world, it could be a global devastation for millions. And like they say, desperate times, desperate measures, this would qualify as a desperate time. So one of the lead doctors, Dr. Nicole, with her partner Clark, decide to agree on kidnapping a child, someone who would be unknown, untraceable, someone no one will miss. So they hire our handy dandy Brad Woolgast to kidnap her. They've already had one picked out and her name is Amy Belafonte. So Brad with his partner Doyle goes out to snatch her right from the system. But who is Amy Belafonte? We find out she is a 10-year-old girl currently residing in Tennessee with her mother. However, her mom passes away from an apparent overdose. Thrown into the system, she's untraceable. She has no other remaining family. Her mom and her have apparently been traveling all over the world for who knows how long, so they don't even have a stable location or family to contact for Amy after her mother's death. So she gets thrown right into the system until they can figure out what to actually do with her. Now that is very dangerous because now Amy has a price on her head and she doesn't even know. And of course the foster that she is currently within is trash. Honestly, the woman was gonna sell her out for some f cash at the drop of a hat and it didn't help that she had like six other kids in her backyard along with Amy. So she just willingly lets Amy go with two strangers who make up some excuse that her mother was sick, um, it's very serious, and they need to bring in Amy for some possible testing to see if she is sick as well. Amy, of course, like any other young black child, is not believing in no stranger and decides to try to run. Upon running, she of course gets cut and Doyle slaps her across the face in order to subdue her and bring her into this car so they can drive all the way back to Colorado to experiment on her. Now, that was honestly just a lot because this poor girl is running down the street. Her mother just died not only three days ago, and all of a sudden she has strangers knocking on her door and the person that she's supposed to trust just up and gives her away. And it's, it does not go down smoothly. Although Brad tries, he did, he did try, but Doyle, <sighs> Doyle is aggressive and nobody, everyone sees this. This is happening in the middle of the street and nobody does anything. She just gets snatched up off the street and it's okay. 
And while I'm sitting at the edge of my seat right now, just watching what I'm watching, this is the turning point where I realize this is an amazing show and I'm hooked. And I hope you guys felt the same way because what goes on after this is even more exciting and exhilarating and heartfelt and let's continue, shall we? But as we continue on to this long drive from Tennessee to Colorado, we start to see a budding relationship form between Brad and Amy, because minus Doyle, because Doyle is an a-hole and nobody likes Doyle. But Brad and Amy start forming some kind of bond that we start to see slowly creep up the closer we get to Colorado. Not to say that saltine crackers and letting someone sit in the front seat is a-okay after kidnapping because no, but we start to see Brad protect Amy from Doyle a little bit more. We start to see him question whether or not he should go to Colorado with her And we learn more about Brad as well. And it turns out he is more than just the hired past army guy, combat killer, trained kidnapper. He is a man with an ex-wife who still loves him. A man who has lost his child less than three years ago. We're nearing up her anniversary. And he seems just like a downright nice guy. So... It's not surprising to see that he's starting to get second thoughts and bringing Amy back to the facility. For all we know, he sees his own daughter in Amy and he wouldn't want that on his daughter. So why would he put that on another? Everything comes to a head when we hit the carnival. What was once supposed to be just a calming rest stop before the rest of the trip ends up a turning point for the entirety of the show because Brad decides Amy and him, they're not going to Colorado. And he knows the stakes. He's been warned by his friend, Clark, that if he goes rogue now, he can't protect him. But Brad does it anyway. And I'm screaming from the heavens because I love this duo already. They're a family after my own heart. And they're on the run officially. And they have no one to turn to. The members of Project Noah are desperate. And they'll go to any lengths to get Amy from Brad even killing Brad. Now, let's let's sink in. Some of the members from Project Noah in this facility are friends with Brad. Clark and Brad grew up together, they served together, and yet Clark is willing to kill Brad for Amy on the spot. No hesitations. This show does not know how to treat their friends, I'm just saying. And it leaves you to question who else are they willing to run over for this little girl? Luckily, we have another episode to answer this because Brad and Amy escape by the skin of their teeth, but they're free for now. Now, you may think that this is the end. Amy and Brad got away, were free for now, but there's so much more going on on the inside of Project Noah. Now, where we thought and saw that Dr. Nicole and Director Clark were together and were a cohesive unit in Project Noah, it turns out that Clark might be having feelings for one of the subjects, in particular, Shauna. I mean, it doesn't come as a surprise. She's a pretty girl, and she's one of the vampires that 
looked the most human out of everyone. So I guess it makes it a little bit more acceptable. Gross, but acceptable. She is not human though, and I feel like that's something that we continue to forget the more the species becomes more human-like or looks more human-like. We forget that they are vampires, kinda, and have strengths and abilities that we may not even think of or know. And that was a twist in the show that I did not see coming. Because remember Tim, our poor, poor first doctor that was unlucky enough to get infected? It turns out he might have some kind of psychic abilities because we see he's able to connect or talk to one of the inmates getting ready for the trial in his dreams. We don't know how, we don't know why, but it's happening. And looking at the preview for next week, it looks like it's going to be a continuing occurrence. We don't know if it's just him or if it's going to be every single one of the subjects that's already been tested. The questions, so many questions, but that's what makes a good show. That's what makes us want to come back for the next episode and the next episode and the next, wanting to know what happens next. And I want to know. I want to know what happens between Brad and Amy. They seem like a family unit already. I want to know how close their relationship's going to get. If she does end up with these scientists, what kind of power is she going to get? Is she going to end up declining like the rest of the subjects? I want to know what happens to Tim. Does he really have psychic powers? And how does that work? Does he have anything else he can do? Anything special? Shauna, she's the one that looks the most normal. She has to have even greater abilities than Tim, right? I don't know, but I'm excited to find out with the rest of you. What are some of the questions that you guys had? What were some of your favorite scenes? Mine had to be the one between Brad and Amy when they finally go and give respects to Amy's mom's passing and try to let go of the past as they decide to move forward together. That was so beautiful. The tears. <sighs> let me know on Twitter with the hashtag showtalkpodcast, and I will be reading through all of that to see what you guys thought about this episode, answering some questions you guys might have. Hopefully you guys are answering my questions because I always have questions, honestly. But make sure you're also following me on all locations, like showtalk.blog is my website if you want updates on all things, or if you want notifications for any upcoming episodes from not only this show, but other shows like The Marvel's Runaway, of The Magicians that is coming up pretty soon, follow me on Spotify, Podbean, and iTunes at Show Talk Podcast as normal. But like I say, if you like me, if you like this episode, if you like this show, share this with your friends, share this with your family, but as always, keep talking.